Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going to be going in-depth into my week number nine wide receiver start-or-sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. But before we can go in-depth into every single game at the wide receiver position, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you're doing up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure they do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. I hope all of you guys have a great Halloween if you're watching it today on Halloween when it is released. So I love you guys. Hope you have a great Halloween. And without further ado, let's get into my week number nine wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday Night Football, the Tennessee Titans at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, I definitely feel as though you should be starting DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Will Levis will be starting yet again, and Levis appeared to have effectively revived DeAndre Hopkins' season. With that said, his 120-plus yard and three-touchdown performance last week against the Falcons should definitely not be expected up against this Steelers' defense. But as long as Levis looks just halfway decent. I don't need Levis to come out there throwing moonshots like he did against the Falcons, looking that great for D-Hop to be successful. All we need is a somewhat competent quarterback, and DeAndre Hopkins will be just fine. Now, it's important to monitor the fact that he has a banged up toe, but I expect him to be a lot more consistent going forward, assuming that Will Levis isn't just this one-hit wonder and that Will Levis is able to be at least somewhat decent over the next couple of games. So I definitely like DeAndre Hopkins here, even though the matchup isn't the most ideal. Traylon Burks, even with Levis reviving the Titans offense from the dead, Burks was still nowhere to be found, and I honestly do not think that you can trust him. Nick Westbrook, E. Kain will also be a sit. Now, he did end up scoring on Sunday, but that is far from the normal, so I definitely would leave him on my bench. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, both Deontay Johnson as well as George Pickens are going to be goes for me. Johnson had a top 24 performance in back-to-back weeks, and Kenny Pickett will be starting on Thursday Night Football. Now, if we're being completely honest with ourselves, is there really that large of a difference between Kenny Pickett and and Mitch Trubisky if they were practicing for the full week to be the guy, right? Because once Kiss and Titties, Mitchell Trubisky is inserted into the lineup, you know, magically on a Sunday or on a Thursday, you're probably not going to get the best performance out of him. But if he is being able to practice as the guy, he would have been fine enough for Deontay Johnson, in my opinion. This is a great spot for Deontay Johnson up against a bad Tennessee Titans pass defense, and I fully expect Deontay Johnson to be a reliable wide receiver too this week. George Pickens had a down game last week against the Jags, but we all know that Pickens is far from a reliable player. You kind of have to roll the dice with George Pickens, right? He is incredibly talented. And having Deontay Johnson back on the squad definitely opens the field up 
more for George Pickens to be even more successful. In a matchup like this against the Titans, I definitely think you have to mark George Pickens as a start, even if he's a little bit closer to like the wide receiver 25 to 28 range compared to a top 12 guy like Deontay Johnson has the upside to be week in and week out. Allen Robinson would be the other receiver of note on this team. Robinson has been irrelevant all season outside of week one, so we don't even need to waste too much time talking about him. Next up, we move to Germany for the Sunday morning game, the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. And as a Dolphins fan, I am absolutely ecstatic for this game. I think this game has all of the upside to potentially be the highest scoring game on the week. Tyreek Hill is a must start every single week. Four straight weeks inside the top four at the wide receiver position. This matchup against the Chiefs obviously isn't the most ideal. The Chiefs defense is pretty solid against the past, but this is a revenge spot for Tyreek Hill, and I think he will go nuclear here yet again. Currently the wide receiver one on the season, and I think he's going to stay on top like he is stuck after this week in Germany. Jalen waddled away, waddle, waddle. Waddle has really picked things up over the last four games, and last week up against the Patriots was his best game on the season with seven receptions for 121 yards and a touchdown. Again, like I said with Tyreek, this isn't the best matchup. This isn't a wet dream matchup up against some soft as baby shit defense, but this could easily be one of the highest scoring games, if not the highest scoring game. So I have to love Waddle in this spot as well. And it seems like he's kind of shook off that funk that he previously had on him. Braxton Berrios is a sit for me outside of the top 70 at the wide receiver position in four straight weeks. With all the weapons that the Dolphins have, they now have Chase Claypool, they got Cedric Wilson, they've got a lot of other pieces, Durham Smythe, to throw the rock to, to where Braxton Berrios is a guy you should never really even consider starting unless you're in a league with punt return yards or special teams yards. But even then, he doesn't do enough of that or doesn't get enough yards doing that to really be a guy you want in your lineup. Rashi Rice for the Chiefs is going to be a start. He had his first down game in a while for Rice last week up against the Denver Broncos, but you can't really blame Rashi Rice for that performance as... The whole entire Kansas City Chiefs offense came out completely limp dick in that spot. I expect a bounce back out of this offense and will play Rice due to the upside in this spot. But we talk about this every week, right? Rice seems like the guy out of the receivers on the Chiefs that you want to start. But this is a team that utilizes the Oprah approach. You get the ball, you get the ball, you all get the ball, right? Mahomes spreads the ball out pretty evenly, aside from heavily peppering Salt Bay style Travis Kelsey. So Rashi Rice is not an ideal start, but again, there are multiple teams on by, and you can go worse than the wide receiver one on the Chiefs. Again, a team that is hungry to bounce back after getting shellacked by the Denver Broncos. Kadarius Toney has had one target in back-to-back weeks and shouldn't even be considered a start-worthy player. Shouldn't even be on your fantasy roster, so you're sitting him. MVS Marquez Valdez-Scantling is also a sit. MVS has had his annual good game in Week 7 against the Chargers. Do not buy into the MVS hype. I have done it before, and it is a severe let down. I'm going to let him be one of the pallbearers at my funeral so that MVS can let me down just one more time. Next up, we move to the beginning of the real Sunday slate. Obviously, Chiefs-Dolphins. That's a game you want to actually wake up for at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time if you live 
on the West Coast. Waking up at the ass crack of dawn for that one. Minnesota Vikings at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Jordan Addison has had two great performances in a row. Obviously, losing Kirk Thuggins, Kirk O'Chains, Kirk Cousins sucks doggy cock. But with Dobbs being there, Addison should be fine in the future. This week, they are going with Hall. Hall is not very good. This man has scored at least one touchdown in four straight games. With Hall under center, I am willing to start Jordan Addison, fully understanding that Jordan Addison could completely blow up in my face, that Jordan Addison could sink the metaphorical battleship of my fantasy football roster. I think that once they put Dobbs in there, again, is Dobbs, Kirk Cousins, Fuck no, baby. But Dobbs is at least competent enough for going forward that Jordan Addison won't be dead in the water like his name was Luca Brazzi, right? And Justin Jefferson, when he comes back, you know, there's still greener pastures ahead, right? This week with Hall under center, probably not going to be the best, but again, the upside is still there enough for me to want to start him. The other Vikings receivers, K.J. Osborne and Brandon Powell. Osborne looked great last week against the Packers with 99 yards and 8 catches. Once Dobbs gets accustomed to the system and becomes the starting quarterback on the team, I will fire Osborne up. But right now, with Hall under center, you just can't do that. Brandon Powell, the wide receiver 3 on the Vikings, has popped once this season. But without Cousins there, the odds of him hitting again is slim to none for the Falcons Drake London did leave last week's game with a groin injury so it is logical to monitor this situation before you lock London into your lineup Ritter might be the quarterback but they might go back to Heineke both of those guys it's like the battle of mid neither of them are very good and honestly calling either of them mid might honestly be like Kind of giving them the Gawk Gawk 9000. Giving them a little bit more praise than they deserve. But we will not know until Wednesday when Arthur Smith releases that classified information. This matchup here is good enough for London to succeed. But with the injury, knowing he might be coming into the game slightly banged up, he is a fringe start. And again, the cold like Minnesota Vikings defense has definitely woken up as of recently. Van Jefferson, Matt Collins, they are clear sits. Jefferson is one of the perfect examples of a speedster that will have a huge game like once every season. But with Ritter or Heineke as the quarterback, you will never be able to actually figure out when that game is coming. Matt Collins just has virtually zero upside. He doesn't really get a lot of looks week in and week out. If he saw more than four targets in this game, I would be awestruck. So I think Mac Hollins is a clear sit in this spot. Next up, we move to the Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns. If you guys have enjoyed this video thus far and you are new to the channel, make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. And whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. Amari Cooper is the only start-worthy wide receiver in this game. If you guys see a couple of cuts in today's video, which isn't necessarily normal, I'm kind of just a one cut type of guy we just go unless i have to take like a sip of water or something we just go through the whole video but today is halloween there are people knocking on the door trick-or-treating so if i have to get up every couple of minutes it is what it is that's just the price that i pay for the nfl having the trade deadline on thanks or on, I said on thanksgiving on halloween so i couldn't record the video earlier because there were trades happening so Mari cooper has a lovely and exquisite matchup against the cardinals 
I don't think I can rank him too high, though, due to the quarterback situation. Who knows if it'll be Watson. It could be P.J. Walker. Cooper should be fine regardless, but his ceiling feels limited even in a wet dream, a perfect matchup spot. Elijah Moore, Marquise Goodwin are both sits. Moore is another guy that is just begging on his knees for better quarterback play so that he can be relevant. Donovan Peoples-Jones got traded, so Goodwin is now the wide receiver three on the Browns. For the Cardinals, Clayton Looney Tunes will most likely start on Sunday unless magically Kyler Murray's good to go with Dobbs now gone in Minnesota. That makes me very, very nervous to start Brown once Kyler returns or maybe Clayton Looney Tunes looks real good on Sunday. Then it's wheels up for Hollywood Brown. But right now in Tunes' first ever NFL start, I can't talk myself into starting Hollywood Brown, especially against the Browns defense. For Rondell Moore, he's a sit. If I can't trust Hollywood, I certainly can't trust a gadget player like Rondell Moore. Michael Wilson, he keeps passing the eye test on the field. Like you watch the game, you're like, ooh, that's Michael Wilson. He looks good. But until we see more consistent quarterback play, kind of like with Elijah Moore, you can't really start Michael Wilson. Next up, we move to the LA Rams at the Green Bay Packers. For the Packers, I'm going to be honest with you, I can't start any of these receivers. Christian Watson keeps seeing the targets, but Love just looks lost. Bro needs a fucking map. I really think Watson is still immensely skilled, immensely talented, and I would not yet cut bait on Christian Watson, but until he starts putting solid games together, until Jordan Love Me Tender, Love Me Sweet actually wakes up and has a good game, I think that you simply cannot start Christian Watson. Romeo Dobbs has outplayed Watson over the last two weeks and has scored a touchdown in back-to-back Michael Jordan 96-97 games. Again, I just don't trust Love enough to play him. I get the Rams defense isn't the Rams defense from when they won the Super Bowl, right? This isn't the most feared defense in all of the land, but I'm still scared because of Jordan Love. Jaden Reed, Reed, just another motherfucker who has outplayed Watson recently. Again, just like with Dobbs, though, we can't trust him because of Love. For the Rams, Cooper Cup, it is a start. So is Puka Nakua. Now, it seems like Stafford is a true 50-50 for Sunday. He has a UCL sprain on his thumb. It seems like Stafford might either miss the whole fucking season or he's going to play on Sunday. It really doesn't seem like there's too much in between here. If he doesn't play, we'll get Brett grip it and ripping it. Regardless of who is at quarterback, though, you kind of just have to roll cup out there and pray to the gods that he does good since he's that talented of a player. I will certainly have to bump him down the rankings if it is ripping. Cup has been bad over the last two games, but again, I can't really quit a guy that's as good as Cooper Cup, especially when there's so many bye weeks. Puka, just like Cup, shit the bed last week in Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys were just doing the Irish jig on the grave of the LA Rams. This game was over before it even fucking started. It was 
quick that this game got out of hand. And once they kicked off for the second half, you just knew it was over. Like, Stafford tried to tough it out because he's that alpha male type of guy. Do you remember back in the day when he was on the Lions and he fucked his shoulder up, I think it was? He's like, clock it, clock it, clock it. And he still won the game with the messed up arm, right? He's a hard guy. I res- Pause. I respect that, though. Nothing like a nice hard guy, am I right, fellas? But at the end of the day, pause again. Puka Nakua has been good. So I'm still going to roll him out. But again, I'm going to have to bump him down. And it's not like I'm going to sit on here and just do the metaphorical gawk gawk 9000 to Puka Nakua sucking his, his peen over the internet talking about how confident I am in him because that would be insane to say with the state of the LA Rams team 2-2 Atwell with Cup and Nakua back you just can't start Atwell next up we move to the left hands up who are we the commanders at the New England Patriots Terry McLaurin has had three straight weeks inside the top 25 at wide receiver with his best of those three games coming last week against the Philadelphia Eagles nine or more targets in all three of those games and I feel very confident in the volume coming McLaurin's way going forward I know early on season it was like eh is Terry McLaurin officially just fucked like all these years we talked up McLaurin because he's so good but the quarterback situation was just weighing him down right it was sinking his ship but this was the year where maybe things would change and then he comes out the season he's banged up but he just doesn't look good but recently he started to look a lot better you can say whatever you want about Riverboat Ron Rivera who I think should be fired But they still have a great offensive coordinator. They have Sam Howell, who looks at least frisky. So Terry McLaurin's a start, and the Patriots' defense just really isn't all that. They aren't the cat's pajamas, which is a saying that I never understood. But I get what it means, but I just don't understand why the fuck the cat's pajamas is even a saying. Jahan Dotson had a monster game last week in Halloween fashion against the Eagles with eight receptions on 10 targets for 108 yards and a touchdown as the wide receiver seven in PPR. He had eight targets the week prior against the Giants. Do I have full confidence that Dotson won't shit the bed? Definitely not. But I would still fire up Dotson as a low-end play with tons of upside up against that Patriots defense. Curtis Samuel was one of those guys that we kind of all knew the wheels would eventually fall off. But when he was on fire from weeks four through six, it kind of felt like you just had to start him, right? When you're playing that well... You just roll them out there, even though you know deep down in your heart that things are probably going to cool off sooner rather than later when it comes to a player like Curtis Samuel. Now that he's simmered down, and over the last two games, that's really allowed Dotson to elevate himself, Samuel is now a guy that is definitely best left on your bench. He kind of does this every year, at least over the last two years, where he has a couple of really hot games where it's like, okay, you play him. But once he simmers down, he's effectively kind of dead for the rest of the fantasy football season. DiMario Douglas, whose brother is DeLuigi Douglas, without born DiMario, should be the wide receiver one on the Patriots. With that said, I recognize the upsides there. For Douglas, I talked about him in the waiver wire video as a high upside, deeper league ad. But even in a great matchup against the Commanders, I just, I just want to see it, you know, with my own two eyes, him have that great game. Because Mac Jones is so hit or miss every single week that 
I'd rather just leave Douglas on the bench. Juju Smith-Schuster, Corvette, Corvette, the TikTok god, even without Bourne, you would have to be a clinically insane person to start Juju Smith-Schuster, who has not cracked the top 50 wide receivers yet this season. There was someone in the comment section all summer long, like the Kid Rock song, that was just coming at me with the, the, the Twitter fingers, but the keyboard warriors, you know, in the comment section, talking about how, Nick, you're a fucking idiot, Juju's good, this, that, and the other thing. I wonder where that fella is, because I said that Juju stinks, you should never draft him, and they, they had a lot of talk about me, and now, where's your pal Juju? Doing nothing, he's dancing on TikTok, baby. Devontae Parker got hurt against the Dolphins and probably won't end up playing with a concussion, but you never really know. <laughs> Brock Purdy came back and was able to play. Maybe he plays, maybe doesn't. Either way, you're not going to start him. Next up, we move to the Chicago, Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. But before we break this game down about the wide receiver position, as well as discussing the rest of the games all the way until Monday Night Football, I would like to give you guys a quick word from our friends and our sponsor over at Manscaped. We are brought to you guys today by Manscaped, who have taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it has ever seen. So this season... No need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new Handyman is the best way to get rid of the stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code NOTORIOUS for 20% off plus free shipping and for my wolfman with a little more scruff manscapes beard hedger pro kit has everything you need to tame your mane get 20 percent off and a free shipping with the code notorious at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code notorious for a look as sweet as candy get yourself the handyman from manscaped Back on into things here, Bears at Saints. DJ Moore, wiki wiki, is a start with Bajent taking over until Fields returns. We just have to lower our expectations for more. He's still going to be getting targets, but they aren't as valuable of targets. More should be fine, but his upside, his ceiling is probably capped at like the wide receiver 18. So again, it doesn't mean that Bajent can't make him decent. But with Bajan under center, you're not going to see DJ Moore drop a fucking 30-40 bomb like he did against the Commanders, right? That's just virtually impossible with Bajan under center. And again, if you have a lot of other better options, you're probably better off just sitting DJ Moore for those guys. But again, there's a bunch of teams on by, so DJ Moore kind of just scrapes his way into being a start. Darnell, here comes the Mooney, is a sit. If I'm nervous about DJ Moore, you certainly should not be considering Mooney or Tyler Scott, who's also a sit. For the Saints, Chris Olave is a start. Derek Carr has straight up fisted Olave. With that said, this week you have to start Olave because they're playing up against the Bears. One of the best matchups that you could possibly have as a wide receiver. Plus, he keeps getting a lot of targets. The problem is these aren't high-value targets because Carr's, like, sailing the ball over him or it's just going out of bounds instead of near him. It's a disaster. Olave's still very talented, though, and again, in this matchup, I can't resist from starting him. I got to start him. I'm Shahid. Rashid Shahid has been a top-12 wide receiver in two of the last three games. He is 
incredibly risky every single week. He is one of the clear definitions of boom or bust at the wide receiver position in the NFL. He has the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. With that said, though, he's kind of been a little bit on fire. And we talk about this a lot on the channel, but when a player's on fire, NBA Jam style, we kind of just roll him out until the wheels fall off. And again, Derek Carr kind of looks like shit throwing to Olave, but when he throws to Rashid Shahid, it's like the ball's coming out of Patrick Mahomes' arm instead. I don't get it. They just have some... 5G LTE connection as of recently. Michael Thomas is a sit. He has seen a heavy dosage of targets, but with the touchdowns being far and in far and few in between, he's only scored one touchdown this season in week seven. I am not looking towards starting the slant man, Michael Thomas. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks at the Baltimore Ravens, which has a lot of upside to be a real electrifying matchup, even though both of these teams have pretty solid defenses. For the Ravens, Flowers is a start. He was the wide receiver 69 last week. Very nice, I like, but obviously if you have Zay Flowers, you don't like it, just Borat does because the number 69. Prior to that, though, he was rock solid. He was some Viagra Cialis hard. Pretty boomer bust player weekly, but the upside that he possesses keeps me listing him as a starter, especially with how good Lamar Jackson has looked so far this season. Odell Beckham Jr. is a very clear sit, as is Rashad Master Bateman. Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't catch any of his four targets last week. I get that when he takes the helmet off and he's got the purple hair, you start thinking of, oh my God, this is the guy from the Giants. This is the reach back like 1-3. This is the guy that was electrifying in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But it just feels like he's lost a step. And even with Lamar Jackson playing amazing, like one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the NFL, Odell is still flopping around like a fish out of water. Rashad Bateman gets his three targets every single week and hasn't done shit with it. So there's no need to even talk about playing him. For the Seahawks, this is an easy, like, it's very easy to come to a conclusion on what you want to do with the Seahawks receivers. But at the same time, if one of these guys, Metcalf and Lockett, were to get hurt, knock on wood, we don't root for injuries, or if one of them were to have just gotten traded today, it would be so much easier every single week to know what to do. Because Metcalf has been in a bit of a production slump, but he still has been heavily targeted. Metcalf's down games are typically not so bad that it fucking explodes your fingers off like your name is JPP when you put him in the lineup. But it's also really... Not good enough to be, like, weak winning. It's just like, oh, he didn't completely fuck you over, right? Your team didn't implode like that submarine that went to go look at the goddamn Titanic. So you certainly can't bench him because of that, even in what is a tougher spot against the Ravens' defense. Tyler Lockett in my pocket skirt looked great last week against the Browns with his second-best performance on the season. But unlike Metcalf being hit or miss... Lockett is very hit or miss, right? He's a guy that when he blows up, he has that huge game. But when he's he's down, he's not like the wide receiver 28 or 25 like Metcalf, you know, just an okay game. Lockett's bad game is one where you really feel it. 
It's like when you drank too much the night before and you wake up and it feels like you just had Conor McGregor fucking kick you in the head with a left kick, right? Or that Tyson hit you with the right uppercut, right? That's what it feels like. And he's a guy that's a fringe start this week. Again, this matchup has all the makings of a high-scoring game, but when you acknowledge the Tribal Chief, you know, when you acknowledge the defenses that are at play here, this game might end up being a bit of a doozy for fantasy football. JSN is kind of the reason why this whole equation isn't really sugar spice and everything nice, because JSN keeps looking great, and he has even scored in back-to-back weeks. Though you can't really talk yourself into starting him with Metcalf and Lockett healthy, especially since Geno Smith just doesn't really look that good. Like, Geno Smith's good enough with the defense they have and the playmakers that they have on the roster. Again, Metcalf, Lockett, JSN, that is the best trio of wide receivers, in my opinion, in the NFL. They have Charbonnet, they have Kenneth Walker, they have a trio of tight ends that are serviceable, right? So Geno Smith's never going to really suck that bad. Right, he's not going to be sucking donkey, donkey, hog any given week. But Geno hasn't really looked as good as he did last year. Again, this isn't meant to be the roast of Geno Smith, but I feel like he could be doing a little bit better. Next up, we move to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Houston Texans. Buccaneers have looked pretty just decent all season, if we're being honest with you. Like, this looks like a team that might make the playoffs, they might not make the playoffs, but the NFC is kind of soft enough to where they could. Baker isn't really playing out of his mind, but he's also playing serviceable football. Like, if Baker was the quarterback of the Falcons or the Vikings or something, like, you'd be pretty excited. Again, he's a fine quarterback for the Bucks. Has he played himself into becoming a franchise guy again? Probably not, but he has shown that, hey, if you have Baker as your backup and Baker has to come in, then there's far worse options, right? We've seen backup quarterbacks like Jaron Hall of the Vikings come in, and the guy looks like a chicken with his head cut off. So Mike Evans has had back-to-back weeks with a touchdown, and I love this spot against the Texans. I feel very confident in Evans, even though his last performance against the Bills was pretty so-so. And... If we're being honest with you, the Bucs probably could have beaten the Bills if Chris Godwin actually turned his head and saw the football because he just lost it in the lights, which is something that we've seen a bunch in the past. Godwin has been playing far better over the last four games compared to the start of the season, where at the beginning of the season, Godwin was passing the eye test for me, right? Godwin, week in and week out, would go out there and he'd look good, right? You watch the game, he looks good, but you look at the end of the week at the stats and you play him in fantasy, you're like, fuck. That wasn't that good. Maybe my eyes are deceiving me, but your eyes weren't really deceiving you. It just wasn't, he just wasn't lucking into the touchdown. He wasn't lucking into the big gain on a catch and recently he's started to do so. I feel again, far more confident now in Godwin than I did prior. And just like Evans, I feel like this is a solid spot against the Texans. Now the Bucks have a couple other receivers. Trey Palmer would be, I guess, the other one to note. One of those players that is super interesting, in my opinion, for the future of the Buccaneers, right? In the later years where Evans and Godwin are no longer there, which might end up being next year where one of them are gone. But is not a guy you'd actually start, just kind of a guy that you see on the field, you're like, oh, that guy looks good. He passed the eye test, but you're never actually going to play him in fantasy. For the Texans, Nico, Cousin, let's go bowling. Collins is a start. Collins is another one of these guys that you pull up 
the Webster's Dictionary, you look up Boomer Bust Fantasy Receiver, and his fucking mug shows up, right? Stroud has seemingly cooled off a little bit, leaving Collins as a high-risk, high-reward start going forward. You know he has the upside. We saw it in him last year. We've seen it in him this year. But the consistency just has not been there. Tank Dell is another very hit-or-miss guy, but I just trust Nico Collins far more. Three straight swing and misses, which is an out in baseball. Three straight swing and misses for Tank Dell in three down games in a row, which leaves Dell for me to be left on the bench. Noah Brown with Robert Woods, Bobby Trees out two to three weeks. I would say Brown is now the wide receiver three on the team. With that said, he is a very obvious sit. Game number 10 here, the Indianapolis Colts at the Carolina Panthers. Again, if you guys have enjoyed thus far, make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that like button down below. It really does help me out a ton. So this game, obviously the Colts, the Panthers, these aren't like some perennial fucking playoff teams here. This is a fun fantasy receiver game here. Adam Thielen for the Panthers. The the Panthers finally win. Round of applause. They're not... Nah, they're probably still the worst team in the NFL, but hey, they got their win. They got the monkey off the back. Bryce Young eats a W like his name was famous, Jameis Winston. Adam Thielen has been on fire all season aside from week one. He has a semi-down game last week. And again, a semi-down game for Thielen. You would, you would think like entering into this year, I was kind of a Thielen guy. I thought maybe this guy could be consistently like the wide receiver 22 to 28. His down week was last week against the Texans as the wide receiver 24. There's no need to fret, though. No need to worry, because we've got a great matchup on our hands here against the Colts. And if Bryce Young kind of starts heating things up here, this could be a real high-scoring tit-for-tat, back-and-forth, rock'em, sock'em, robots affair, 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 affair. And here, to me, Thielen is still very much a must-start wide receiver weekly for the Indianapolis Colts. Michael Pittman and Josh Downs are starts. For Pittman, MPJ, three straight top 16 performances, and two of those games, he has had 13 or more targets. I love this spot against the Panthers. Fire him up with confidence, especially since Minshew's starting to look pretty reliable. Josh Downs, I definitely feel a lot more confident in terms of Pittman compared to Downs just due to the sheer amount of volume that Pittman sees. If Downs and Pittman were getting the same amount of volume, you you might be able to make an argument that Downs might be the better receiver if we're keeping it a buck 50. But, you know, Gardner's feeding the rock to Pittman. Downs is getting his as well. Like, he's like a seven-plus target guy most weeks. And that's certainly start-worthy against the Panthers. But again, I just feel a lot more safe with Pittman because that's a guy, again, he's gotten 13 or more targets in two last three games. Like, he could see 15 targets and it wouldn't really be that shocking. Alec Pierce with Pittman and Downs balling. There's really no room for Alec Pierce, so he's a sit. The other Panthers receiver, DJ Chark, baby Chark. We have seen Chark have a decent game or two this season, but outside of that, he has just been nowhere near close to being a start-worthy receiver, and you should be just a 10-foot pole away from any of these other Panthers receivers outside of Thielen. Jonathan Mingo might be a guy that you could see like a late surge happening at the end of his rookie season for Mingo because maybe Bryce Young starts leveling things up. Mingo starts playing better, right? They just come into stride together. Late season hammers maybe for fantasy, but right now, I know it's week nine. It's not like we're in week four, but we haven't really seen enough out of Mingo to be 
to be quite honest, to where you, like, again, I think because of my assessment of Mingo coming out of college, he could do that. But from what we've seen in the NFL, you would probably not think that was what was going to happen. Moving now to the Giants versus the Los Vegas Raiders in FIFA Las Vegas. Devontae Adams, I was praying to the football gods above. I was saying, please, Lord, football, Jesus himself, give me a Devontae Adams train, a trade, free this man from this sorry-ass franchise, and then he doesn't get traded. Look, I don't think you can sit him, but I fully understand at this point that starting him could easily just blow up right in your face, right? It has been four down games now, four down games in a row. Again, I'm not ready to quit throwing the towel on Adams, but I'm starting to be like, we just can't rank him in the S or the A tier, maybe not even the B tier at this point, because again, he's being held hostage by the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo can't throw him the ball. Last night, we let the liquor talk. Last night, this ain't no Morgan Wallen song against the Lions. Devontae Adams was wide open for a touchdown, and Jimmy Garoppolo missed him. It was like a 60-50 yard touchdown, and he missed him. I just, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is certainly better than Aiden O'Connell or Brian Hoyer, but man, does it suck. Look, I make fun of Derek Carr all the time, but I bet Devontae Adams is going to show up to his house with a fucking boombox on his arm, like one of those old school movies, just wishing that he'd come back to the Raiders, even though it's not his fault that he's gone for the Raiders. The team kind of kicked Derek Carr out. Jacoby Myers. Now, normally Myers is able to survive the awful quarterback onslaught that occurs for the Raiders, but that was uh, not the case last week. Prior to last week, though, he had three straight games inside the top 14. And honestly, this might sound crazy. I would be like, Nick, you're a fucking idiot if you I said this at the beginning of the season, right? But right now, I feel more confident in Jacoby than I do with the Adams family. The other Raiders receiver, Trey Tucker. They also got Hunter Renfro. Just no targets for Tucker. Renfro seemingly like dropped the ball on purpose last night if you watched the game. Like he had it in his hands. He's like, fuck this team. Dropped it. Wandale, over the last two games, he has been a non-factor. The quarterback situation is still an unknown for this game. Just stay clear away from the Giants receivers. I'm not even going to spend time bringing up stats for Robinson, Slayton, Hill. Hill? I mean, Hyatt, like the fucking, uh, that a casino? No, no, the, the hotels. No reason. No reason to even consider any of these Giants guys. No reason to even talk about it. Next up, we move to the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. Seemingly the game of the late slate to watch. This should be a fun one. And as long as the Cowboys show up. Now, Jalen Hurts is banged up entering into this game. And that was made very apparent last week. Last week, though, despite that, A.J. Brown continues to be on top of the world. Hey, he's an obvious start. Six straight games for Brown. Just straight up dominant whips and chains 50 shades of gray style with three top three of those games were top three performances and all six of those games where he's been amazing he has had over 125 yards in my opinion brown is the second best receiver in the nfl right now with tyreek hill both of these guys are on a whole new level brought me a new shovel even against the cowboys that's a great defense his upside is huge the greatest of upside, let me tell you. Devontae Smith, last week against the Commanders, was his first good game since week four. Coincidentally, also against the Commanders. I was still rolling him out there on his fucking deathbed, seemingly. Throwing him out there, rolling him out as a start, even when he was shit in the bed every week. Even when he was bending my 
fucking fantasy football roster over. So I'm certainly starting him after a big game with a game that has high upside of being high scoring, but there's obviously reasons to worry about that because these are both good defenses. Julio Jones, him scoring last week was like when they put that kid into the game, you know, when the game's out of hand in high school and he gets the touchdown, right? The make-a-wish kid type of deal there. And again, anyone who takes what I just said, that that's a joke, right? That's a joke, okay? Again, I shouldn't have to say these things, but I notice sometimes people get really mad in the comments after like a joke I made. That's very evidently a joke, right? Julio Jones is a Make-A-Wish kid, and anyone who was a Make-A-Wish kid, I have a friend that was a Make-A-Wish kid, so obviously I'm, I'm not here to, to slander them. It, it, was a, it was a joke, and I think you get that, but I just try to say these things, you know, in parentheses, okay? Calm your titties a little bit. This, this is for fun. This isn't meant, not everything I say is meant to be taken serious. Now, all the advice I give is very serious, right? It's very real. It's what I would do with my fantasy team. But there's a lot of jokes here that are just meant to not be taken seriously. So Julio, congrats on scoring, man, but <laughs> you're just not very involved. CD Lamb, top 12 receiver in back-to-back -back weeks. Lamb went straight up fucking ballistic against the Rams last week. Over 40 points. Not a great matchup here, but obviously you got to start Lamb. Brandon Cooks is a sit. Now I get, Nick, he's had back-to-back -back games inside the top 30 at the wide receiver position, and he's had a touchdown in back-to-back -back weeks, you cocksucker. What I will say, though, to brush that off, is that he's only gotten four targets in those games. And he's gotten four targets in four straight games. So you can't really trust a motherfucker that's getting four targets a week just luck boxing into touchdowns. And Michael Gallup, this man just has brick hands, so you don't even need to consider him. Next up, we move to the Buffalo Bills at the Cincinnati Bengals. This one is one for the century here. We got the DeMar Hamlin revenge game, the game of last year that was probably the craziest NFL game I've ever seen. A game that was looking like it was going to be a shootout, a game that looked like it was going to be the most fun game to watch on the year, sadly ended due to DeMar Hamlin's injury. I'm glad DeMar Hamlin is okay. Again, I don't make fun of injuries. I'm glad DeMar Hamlin's okay. And maybe he'll even suit up in this game. Very cool to see that Hamlin obviously is still on the Bills. Hopefully this game's able to be played out because if it is, this is another game that could be the highest scoring game on the week. Diggs had his first down game last week against the Bucks in what felt like a fucking eternity. And even with that down game, he was still the wide receiver 21 with nine receptions for 70 yards. This matchup reeks. You can smell it right through the screen of fantasy points. I think Diggs could easily be the number one wide receiver at the end of the week. Gabe Davis, last week, Gabe was balling out against the Bucks. Part of that, he had two stinker of games, but that was because the Bills were kind of stinky, right? The Bills were kind of in a... In a bit of a rut, right? Against the Giants, they stunk. The week before that, they stunk. They were kind of in like a three-game skid of kind of stinking. But they revived themselves against the Bucks. They had a little revive, like fucking quick revive in Call of Duty. And this man, Gabe Davis, has a resume this season that shows us that we need to trust him. And again, the upside is real high against the Bengals. Khalil Shakir had a good game last week. Wide receiver 25 which is great for what we're used to out of Khalil Shakir. Partially, I think, because the team was using more three-receiver sets, not as many two-receiver sets, because Dawson Knox is out. And with that said, even a potentially newfound role for Khalil Shakir, they kind of have a deep weapon core with James Cook, 
Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Dalton Kincaid. Just kind of seems like Shakir's the odd man out. Shakira, Shakira. For the Bengals, Jamar Chase is a start. You already knew that. Wide receiver five last week against the Niners. Again, like I talked about with the Bills players, this could be a very high-scoring game, leading to upper echelon upside for Chase. Tee-hee. Higgins is also a start. Five receptions for 69 yards. Very nice. I like last week against the Niners. Looked far better coming out the bye, which I kind of expected. I expect Higgins to look better as the season goes along because for the uh, early part of the season, Higgins has been kind of a bust, if we're being honest with you. I hope that he's able to overcome that, and I hope that wasn't a fluke last week. Tyler, yeah, Boyd was the wide receiver 31 last week after scoring a touchdown, but with Higgins and Chase healthy, you cannot... The Kembe, no, 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 start Mr. Tyler Boyd. And I know, I just noticed I have the wrong name on the graphic. We have the Jets player, Xavier Gibson, on the screen. But just forget about that. Don't even think about it. And I know there's going to be someone in the comments, Nick, you fucking cocksucker, you have the wrong name on the screen, you asshole. Because people do that all the time. Even if I acknowledge it in the video, people still, still say it. That is what it is. Chargers at the Jumbo Jets. The Superchargers at the Jets for Monday Night Football. Keenan Allen, this matchup on paper is very, 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 very hard. With that said, Keenan Allen is still one of the best receivers in the NFL, so you have to start him. Last week, he was okay against the Bears with eight receptions for 69 yards. Another very nice. I still start him here, though, with confidence. Joshua Palmer has solid upside weekly. Now that Mike Williams is gone, but with him shitting the bet against the Bears, I don't really think you should be looking to start him against the Jets. Quentin Johnston, best game by far last week. Finally, the team utilizes him fucking eight weeks later. Maybe the team finally realized they need to start using him. But again, against the Jets, you definitely want him on your bench. For the Jets, Garrett Wilson is a start. Back-to-back games as a top 18 receiver with 12 or more targets in each game. Great ideal matchup this week but you obviously can't have supreme confidence in garrett wilson knowing that the milf hunter zach wilson is the guy throwing the rock alan lazard solid matchup against the chargers but his involvement on the team has been so low that you can't play him and xavier gibson seemingly the wide receiver three but i would go nowhere close starting them thank you guys all so much for watching if you did end up enjoying today's video make sure you hit that subscribe button down below as well as hitting that like button it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy if you want to check out my weekly rankings make sure you check out the patreon link in the video description i also answer every single question that is on there for seven dollars and fifty cents a month i love you guys i hope you have a great your guys day happy halloween and as always good boy